I want to jump right into the word. Uh, today we're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. Uh, and, and the main thing that I, I want to communicate, and I'm, I'm hoping that I kind of lay a foundation for this, and, and we see this through the text that we're going to look at today. What you feed will consume you. What you feed in your life will consume you. What you're putting your time, effort, and energy into will eventually take over your life for good or bad. I want to tell you a little story. It's not a story that actually happened this morning. Exciting times. You just never know what illustrations God will throw your way on Sunday morning. You know, you're always looking for something to share and something to, to, to tie into, you know, what you feel like God's asking you to preach in the morning. And so at 6.30, I got here, uh, me and Alan get here at 6.30 and kind of get things ready and rolling for our volunteers that get here at 7. If you're not already involved in a setup, I mean, in a volunteer team, you can sign up today to the setup team and come next week to volunteer appreciation, catered meal, Christian comedian, you get a t-shirt. Okay? Shameless plug. Shameless plug. But at 6.30, I arrived, um, and halfway here, it started pouring out rain. Anybody get to see the beautiful, beautiful rain this morning? And I'm like, great, I've got all this stuff I've got to carry in the church. I'm going to get soaking wet. And so when I get here, I notice that there's like an early setup team member that's just so excited about getting here that they drove through the parking lot into the grass. It wasn't a setup team member. It was someone else. So when I get here this morning, there's a van literally sitting in the grass right here. I'm not making this up. I wish I was. Um, and I'm like, and the lights are on. It looks like it's running. And I'm like, okay, I'm a little nervous. Like, you know, gosh, what if somebody's injured or, um, you know, something, you know, they had a health, you know, someone had a heart. I'm like running through all of these scenarios. Like, what's going on? I didn't recognize the van. And uh, so I, I park under the little portico because it's pouring down rain. I take all the stuff in that I've got. I look everywhere in this building. Side note to myself, put an umbrella in your car. Put a rain jacket in your car. I had none of those. I looked around here for a umbrella because it's pouring down rain. And I feel like, man, I, I need to go check on, make sure they're okay. And so I couldn't find that. And um, I just went out there. And so I'm walking out to the van that's in the middle of the grass that is running. And I, as I get close to the vehicle, I see two young men that are like out. Like head, I mean like out. And I'm like, this just got interesting. So I go to knock on the window, pouring down rain, remember, knock on the window to see if they're okay. Um, and there's no, you know, there's no window. I mean, it's down, pouring down rain, rain's getting in their car. And so I reach in and, and start tapping the guy in the driver's seat and was like, you know, hey, hey, are you okay? Are you okay? And he didn't really move that much. And, you know, I start moving him a little more and he started to rouse. And his, you know, his, his head came up a little bit, but he wasn't like connecting with me like, like, hey, I noticed you're there. Oh, sorry, I was just taking a nap. And as he's starting to move his head, I guess he took his foot off the brake because the car was in drive and it starts moving. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm hitting the guy. I'm like, put your foot back on the brake. Put your foot back on the brake. Like, I, like I'm thinking, I don't know if I can open it because I'm just I'm in my mind. I'm like. He's going to finally kind of come to consciousness and step down on either the gas or the brake. And if it's the gas, we're in trouble. Because, I mean, he's like 
30 feet from this building. I'm thinking this is going to be great to have church with a van in the kitchen. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to call and be like, hey. And so I, it starts moving, and he's not responding to me. And so, like, I kind of dive the front part of my body into the car and grab the gear shifter on the van and put it into park, which I was a little concerned that it wasn't going to go into park without, you know, whatever. Um, and so it went into park, and I'm like, my heart's racing, and they're still out. Like there's, I mean, like I've halfway been in their car. I've kind of shake and yelled at the person and out. And so I come back inside and I call 911. Anybody call 911? It's kind of nervous, nerve wracking, isn't it? Like you just don't know what to say. And they answer the phone, Brunswick County 911. You know, what's your emergency? And I'm like, uh, it's not really emergency. I know it sounded like weird. I don't know if you can, can you, can you get the recordings? Cause it'd be fun to listen to that. <laughs> Because Alan was there kind of making fun of me. And I'm like, well, it's not really an emergency, but there's, you know, there's a van that's running that's, and I went through the whole scenario that's in um, the grass where vans are not supposed to be here at the senior center. Uh, And so a little bit later, you know, fire department, cops, I had to write a statement. They're like, you might have to come to court and testify. I'm like, praise the Lord. And let me, let me just, let me just tell you this. And this ties right in to what we're going to talk about today. What you feed will consume you. And young man that's in the driver's seat is now facing a DUI. Um, and who knows what else went to jail this morning. What you feed will consume you. And every one of us right now are Feeding something. Now, some of it not, might not be as bad as that, meaning we're not going to wake up in the grassy lawn of the senior center next Sunday morning, which if you're not familiar with this area, like the uh, town hall is like a block that way where the cops are. So it's like the worst place that like of all the places you could, you know, try to sleep it off. It's like you should have just pulled into the police department and be like, take me. But what we feed will consume us. Eventually, we'll take over our lives. It will be our focus. What we were putting in uh, is going to take over, period. And so the truth is, for those in here um, that are children of God, um, I believe God has given you purpose. That he has given your life meaning past the, the nine to five, past the, you know, having, you know, 2.3 children and all these other things. That he's given you purpose in something greater than you. He's given you something to be a part of. And this is why it's so important to cultivate what God has given you, what he's doing in you. It is important that you're making sure to feed the right thing. Because the truth is that our lack of personal cultivation won't just hurt you. And I know we think that, like, oh, it's not really hurting anyone else. What we're feeding, what's consuming us, will affect more than just us. The parents that are up here, their lives, for the good or bad, is going to affect their children. Period. I mean, we've all grown up in houses like things that happen to us as children, like it affects us. And so for for us, not only as parents, but as believers, what we do matters. And if God has 
honestly put in us something that he wants to bring out, that he wants to make useful in his kingdom, we have to do something on our end to do that. Uh, Another truth in here is that if you are now a child of God, that you are like, I love Jesus and I'm a follower and believer of Jesus, you're most likely in that position because someone else spent part of their life dedicated to share the gospel, to mentor you, to, you know, model the Christian faith. For me, it was this guy named David Page. Uh, 1994, I was a senior in high school, started going to uh, Young Life, which is a parachurch organization that, uh, wanted to, that worked with high school students to share the gospel, was kind of clueless, to be completely honest. The, the main reason I started going to Young Life was for the girls. I'm like, I don't want to be like, oh, man, Heath has been pious his whole life. He has just been set apart. No. He was like, that's where the cute girls are. And that's where I was going to go. And, I, I, you know, I was part of this group, and I was hearing the gospel. And, and uh, the truth be told, I went to camp after my senior year, and, and I'm hearing the sin talk and, like, really hearing our need for a Savior. I'm hearing this, that Jesus came not to just give us this religious institution, but he came to give us life in relationship with him. And in the middle of that week, this, the life that I had cultivated was this girlfriend I had in high school. And, and she was pretty much everything I invested all my effort and energy into. And in the middle of that week, after dating for about a year and a couple of months, she told me that she didn't want to date me anymore. Feel sorry for me, people. I mean, not really, because I got so much better. I mean, but I'm talking about my broken heart, not her, Jody. Okay. Gosh, so it's hard when your wife's in the room <laughs> preaching, you know. Um, and so th- my world, everything that I had cultivated, everything that I was putting effort and energy into disappeared in a, in a moment. And I was left in this vulnerable, broken place. And I remember sitting uh, in this, we were in cabins, and I remember sitting there talking to David, and he was sharing the gospel, and he was asking, he was like, man, this is what God's for. This is what he wants to do in your life. And I remember praying the prayer in the room, and this guy spent the next two years being my guardrail. I mean, literally kind of trying to, which we're going to talk about this in a second, fan to flame this this gift that God had put in me. And he was investing in me and, and kind of dealing with my stupidity as I'm like 18, 19 years old. I was became a volunteer leader with Young Life. And, and it was due to his sacrifice that I'm here. And not that David saved me. I'm not here and, and, and get to proclaim Jesus because David saved my soul. David was just a participant in something that God was doing. And in him, he, you know, David literally to this day is still doing what he was doing back in 94. I think he is 25 or 30 years of leading young life, loving on high school, high school students. I got to, uh, I think last year I got to send in a little video as like a, a thank you to David. I mean, I, I've, I've sent him so many letters and I, I still get to talk to him every now and again. And like I really attribute what God's done in and through me to this point, to this guy's willingness to give of himself. Because, uh, you know, parachurch organization, money isn't that big. Like, he didn't do it for money. He loved Jesus and wanted to cultivate in students this desire to see God grow. 
and that was me. And, and the honest truth is that if you're in this room, you probably have somebody like David in your life that you can go, man, they helped begin this journey for me. I wouldn't be where I am today without these people. And, and most of us have several of those people along our faith journey. And what I believe that God wants to do in and through his word today is he wants to fan this flame in us. Because there are other Heath Cadells out there. There's other fill in your name into that blank if you're a child of God that are in this community that needs someone who is willing to burn with zeal for the Lord so much so that they're going to share the gospel in their life and how they live and what they do and the choices they make and the sacrifices that they do. And, and this is what we see in the text today. We're going to go, jump into uh, Second Timothy. Second Timothy is a letter uh, to Timothy. Timothy is, is an individual. He was a disciple of Paul. He was a, a, a young man that had been mentored and loved by Paul. Paul, he traveled on missionary journeys with Paul. And at this point in this letter, Paul is in prison for his last time. I mean, he doesn't know this necessarily that he's going to allude to it. He doesn't think he's going to make it out of prison. Which he doesn't. He's going to die in prison for what he believed. And this is a letter to Timothy encouraging him to fan into flame the gift of God that he has put in you. Because Timothy is going to be the one that's going to carry on the ministry that Paul started in several of these churches. And I believe today that God wants to fan into flame our faith and our gift that God has put in us so that we can influence our community, our neighborhoods, our world, our family. And so this is this is where it starts. And uh, he's already, you know, he's written this letter. He started the letter and we're going to jump into uh, verse three. It says, verse three, I thank God whom I serve as my as did my ancestors with a clear conscience. As I remember you constantly in my prayers day and night. Paul is praying for Timothy day and night. His heart is burdened that he's not face to face with him. He says, as I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith. Your sincere faith. We'll come back to that in just a second. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Enos. Gosh, Eunice. I said it first service, listen to the tape. I did a great job of that. I don't know what just happened. (laughs) But you know me in pronouncing stuff, so it's not unusual. Eunice. And now I'm sure dwells in you as well. So Paul is telling Timothy, he's writing to his son in the Lord, his disciple that he's invested in. He said, I see your faith is yours. So the the, the beauty of what we just saw up here today or the beauty and the trial that we have leading up to is, is no one is born into salvation. No one is like, you know, I am I am the you know, just because my three children are not God's children because they were born of me. Well, you think, oh, he's a pastor, you know, their kids. It, it, it's not it does not go down that way. Now, we get to influence our children, but it has to be their 
choice to follow and choose Jesus. So we're going to do everything in our power to expose them. And he's telling them, he's telling Timothy, man, your grandmother and your mother, they, they were rock stars. They showed you their faith, how they lived out. And, and what we don't know for sure, we know for sure that Timothy's father was a Greek. We don't know whether he was a believer and maybe he had died. We don't know much about him other than his dad was not a spiritual influence in his life, at least from what we read right here. And Paul became that for Timothy. He became that spiritual father for him. See, a word to parents, your you faithfully walking with Jesus makes a difference. And, and so this isn't just for the Timothys that fan into flame the gift of God. It is for us. If we don't have this in us, if we're not excited for what God's doing, if we're not fanning into flame the faith and the gift of God in ourselves, then our children aren't going to get what they need. Because they don't need just our good works. They need the effort and energy that God puts in us as we give ourselves to him. And then verse 6, it says, For this reason I remind you. So he's already told him, like, I, I'm, 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 I'm sure that this faith is dwelling in you, that he's, he's already, in, you know, he knows all these things, but he's telling him, just like last week when we talked about the Thessalon- Thessalonians, good gracious, those people. <laughs> In that book that had a chapter one and two. Man. They knew. I mean, it was the church was going great. But he was telling them, hey, make sure to do this. And so he tells them and here. He reminds. I'm reminding you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. So he's telling Timothy. Timothy, you have to keep going what God put in you. You have to fan into flame this fire of what God's trying to do in you, with you. A couple of weeks ago, we had a, uh, a camping trip. And the guys went out there and, you know, men and burning stuff, like super pyro back in the day. Got in trouble for burning stuff in the house all the time. Mom would come home and be like, Heath, what have you been burning? I got in trouble. I learned lessons of fans and windows and spray. But that never worked. And so we're, we're sitting around there at night around this fire. And as it gets colder, as the night goes on, like we progressively get closer and closer to the fire because it's, it's cold and the fire is warm. And, and here's partly what God's saying is that, that if we're fanning into flame this faith and this gift that God has put in us, it benefits others. Others, like if you're sitting around that fire, the, the bigger that fire is, the more warmth it's going to put out, the, the more benefit to those around it they're going to have. And if you same thing with this, it, the more you fan into flame the faith and gift that God has put in you, the more benefit others around you are going to have. They're just going to feel I mean, they're, they're going to get to experience what God's doing in you through you and this. Fan into flame literally means a continuous and ongoing action. So as the night went on, it was about 10, 15. Everybody was like, you know, tired. I'm going to go to bed. And a uh, beautiful night. It was a weird alarm that went off in the middle of the night. But, you know, that was just weird. Um, woke everybody up. But so it kind of woke me up at like 4.30 or 5. And it was cold outside. I was in a sleeping bag. Didn't want to enter into the coldness. So I stayed in there, even though I had to go to the bathroom real bad. 
I was like, I'm not getting out because I'm never going to get back in this and be comfortable again. So I just waited in there, waited for someone to get up and to get those coals of the fire and add more fuel to it and get that fire going. So I heard somebody moving and I kept looking out. I was in an Eno, a little hammock, and I kept looking out. Like, and, and that last time I looked out and I saw flames. I'm like, okay, now it's time to get out of the Eno and go to the fire because this is what we're talking about. At, all night it burnt down to nothing, but those coals in there, if you put little, uh, if you put fuel into those coals, it'll start that fire. And the, the beauty, which we don't think about this because we just go over to that little wall unit and we tell it what temperature it's supposed to be in here. And I'm sorry if it's hot or cold. I try my best. I promise. But at home, we're, we're not thinking, oh, like in the middle of the night, I got to get up and add fuel to the fire because it's not really our lives anymore. I mean, like my grandparents, they had one of those stoves that you had to feed all night if you're going to stay warm. And everybody kind of stayed in that one room because that's where it was going to be warm. And it's the same thing with us. We have to continually feed the embers. We have to feed that flame within us because if we don't feed it, and we, we experience this, if we don't feed it, it will diminish to just coals that barely keep us warm and they're not going to be beneficial to anybody else. So we've got, if we're going to keep that flame going, we have to continually, ongoing action of adding fire to it. So if the fire's not fed, it'll go out. And you have to add wood to the warm coal so you can always keep it going and going. And this is what he's telling his son in the Lord, Timothy. Hey, you've got to fan into flame. And you can just picture that. I mean, if you if you imagine um, like starting a fire, you should go attempt this. Go watch a YouTube video. And it's crazy what just a little bit of your air helps fuel that fire, helps get it going adding some of that. It's just crazy what this little thing will do to start this thing going again. And so why is he telling Timothy he needs to fan into flame this gift of God? Because the church is under attack. The church, and you'll, if you continue reading 2 Timothy, there's, there's people that are, that, are, that, are, that are against Paul, that are trying to destroy the church, and they're trying to bring this bad uh, theology, these you know, myths and genealogies and things that are distracting from the person of Jesus. And the church is under attack, and Paul's in prison. He can't physically do anything about it other than send his son Timothy. To, and he's saying, you have to fan into flame. And listen to what it says in second. Um, verse 7, it says, um, which came to you from the laying on the hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So we must keep our flame from burning bright, or the biggest thing that's keeping our flame from burning bright is fear. <laughs> because he tells them, and what we're getting ready to finish up in this text, is that there, there's a, a very good potential that Timothy is going to be just like Paul. Paul preached the word faithfully. And Paul ended his ministry in jail dying for what he preached. 
And he's getting ready to tell him, don't be ashamed of me in chains, which has been something that's happened to Paul a lot. Not because, you know, he's being sneaky or underhanded, but he's preaching and loving Jesus. He's fanning into flames the gift that God has given him. And he's telling Timothy, you have to fan this into flame because if you don't, fear will consume you. And he's telling the spirit did not give us a a spirit of fear, but he gave us power, love and self-control. Timothy's afraid because there's the potential that he's going to end up just like Paul in jail. And I I love, I I think if you've not really experienced this, you should read it in Acts, um, the story of Paul. You know, I think sometimes we think, oh, you know, like I I, I want to I want to serve and choose the Lord and. You know, and we look at people in our world, especially if we, we find ourselves to be believers and we're, you know, always frustrated with all those people out there. And, and we, we forget that the hope of Jesus is for every single person in our city and in our world that we come in contact with. And, and the best story for that is Paul. Paul was out there to destroy the church. He literally, it was his mission to bring down the way, to bring down the early church because his zeal for the Lord, he was excited for God. He, he thought in his mission that he was doing everything in his power to lift God high. And what happened to Paul? Paul, on his, on his way to destroy some of the early church, God knocked him off of his donkey and it made him blind. And he's like, basically, who is this? And he was like, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Having this face, well, not face to face because he's blind, but having this personal connection. And he'll take that to his grave. This moment Everything he does after this that lands him in jail, that ends in his execution, he would say, I've done it because I had this relationship with Jesus. Jesus interacted with me and he held on to that moment. And God told him, you're going to be my missionary to the Gentiles. So some of us, we got to realize that this really, it is our choice to fan into flame, but it's. If God's put a purpose in you, he is going to bring that purpose out of you. Sometimes that's painful. Sometimes that's like, you know, why is this going on? I mean, he was blinded. He was sent there. And the people that God sent to pray for him didn't want to go pray for him. They're like, no, that's Paul. We know who that guy is. See, God wants to do in us what we're unable to do. And, and part of that is this fear and God wants to he's telling Timothy hey you have to fan into flame you have to cultivate this relationship with me so much so that you're willing to go to any lengths to love Jesus and I said this first service and and what I'm getting ready to say and what I've already said in this zeal for the Lord I think sometimes we we can I want to I want to make sure that I'm communicating this clearly to everybody in the room what I'm not saying is that you go stand on the corner and tell everybody that they're going to hell what I'm not saying is you to take up a personal attack on everything contrary to what you believe is true on Facebook and being malicious and mean. I'm not saying that because you may go like you may leave here today, but like I'm about to get them. 
No, every single person that you feel that way about has a opportunity to experience God, the life that you have if you're willing to have hope for them. And Paul is telling Timothy, fan into flame these gifts in you because he's deposited gifts in Timothy for the church, which I believe, if you read through 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians where it talks about the body of Christ, like we cannot function properly without all our members. And I don't mean like membership, like I haven't signed the commitment. I'm talking about God has equipped his children with gifts. And as we use those gifts together, our effectiveness increases. And look what he's getting ready to So he's getting ready. He's just told him, fan into flame what, what I've put in you. And God's not giving you a spirit of fear, but he's giving you power, love, and self-control. And then in verse 8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Share in the suffering, which is something we don't like. And, and I said this first service, and then somebody come up to me afterwards. Uh, 2 Corinthians, I'm not 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy 3.12 talks about the reality that if we're going to press in, if we're going to trust Jesus and live for Christ, we will be persecuted. We will suffer. And how, how do we suffer correctly without getting angry and bitter? Listen to this. He says, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our good works, but because of his own purpose and grace. It is not because of what you do. It, he has purpose in what you do. I think some of us think, really, oh, man, I'm, I'm just so good that God's going to get to use me. When the reality is, is God wants you to trust in him completely. It says, after, it says, of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has become manifest through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard until that day which has been entrusted to me. He's saying, God is going to take care of it. He's not saying in here, like, well, God, until that day that he releases me from prison. He's saying, is able to guard until that day that has been entrusted to me. Paul's saying, you can use me to preach the gospel. And the beauty, and we've talked about this before, is that even in chains, Paul converted people. He was chained to guards in a four-hour rotation. And, and you know what he'd do? He'd get a new one, and he would preach the gospel of grace as he's chained to these people. And I, I'm sure they're like, no, I don't want to go back into that guy. He's going to literally try to get me saved the whole time. And it says that all, throughout the whole temple guard, the truth of Jesus has been proclaimed. 
Paul's saying, hey, I trust Jesus who did this in me, who's abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Because he's saying, I don't live anymore for this world. I'm living for this. Because we talk about eternity, which I know is, is a very hard concept for us to understand because, you know, our eternity is these 70, 80 years, 90 years that we spend on this planet. And we think this is the world. And Paul's saying, look, we have something so much greater than this. See, prison and possible death would be pretty good reasons to be afraid unless you understand they have no power over your eternity. Paul wasn't afraid of his eternity because of what Rome could do to him. Paul understood that what God began in this church, he was going to bring to fulfillment. And Paul, regardless of where he was at, prison or out, was going to fulfill his purpose. And then he tells them in verse 13, it says, follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. We need to guard this deposit that God has put in us by fanning it into flame. Look, I I want us like... We planted uh, Reach Community Church uh, a little over seven years ago, and I, I did not come here so that I could gather people. Because that's, I learned over the first four years, a very poor pursuit. And will end you with heartache when your love is filling a room or people gathering into what you've began I moved down here and families moved down here because we want to see people experience life in Christ. And the easiest way for that to happen isn't necessarily you inviting them into our time here on Sunday morning that we sing and praise the Lord and we talk about um, the word and Jesus and what he's done for us. The easiest way for us to be influential in our city, watch out, is you individually fanning into flame the gift that God has placed in you. Because if, if we collectively, individually decided we're going to be zealous for the Lord. And we lose, because of our cultivating this relationship with God, we lose the fear that's crippling us. And we begin to love people, share the gospel we begin to cultivate our own relationship with him. It does something not only in us, but it influences our city. Our level of effectiveness is always going to be based on our level of involvement in other people's lives. Do you understand the hope that is in you? Because the more we understand that, the more we cultivate that relationship with God, the more it just, it just flows into every part of us. So how do we fan into flame or feed the gift of God? Uh, the, the easiest way and most, the easiest to communicate and the hardest sometimes to live out is to continue to cultivate a relationship with the living God. Through, through His Word, through prayer, and then action. 
literally spending time understanding what, because he told Timothy, follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me. Paul's telling us, follow the pattern, follow the, the words that I've given you. And the more we understand them and the, Lord, the more we allow them to in, affect us and the more we give ourselves to prayer, prayer is the easiest way for us to communicate over and over again. See, the more you pray, the more you acknowledge that you cannot do what you need to do. That's prayer. Prayer is not like, hey, God, I got this. Just want to say hello Prayer is going, God, I need you. I need you for, you know, and you start lifting up people that you know are hurting you. You start lifting up friends. You start praying, God, I don't have the ability. I don't have the words, but you have the power if he can do it with Paul. I mean, who knows who is praying for the Pauls out there? Cultivate the, your relationship with God. And in, in, let me just tell you, the easiest way for us to cultivate our relationship with God is doing it in relationship with other people. Like, look, I, I, I'm not a morning person at all. Uh, some of you think that's a lie because I go work out you know, early in the morning. I don't like that. And half the mornings you can come see that I don't like that because I fall asleep on the couch downstairs. All my clothes are down. It really makes Jody happy when my alarm goes off at 4.50 or 4.40. And she comes downstairs at like 6.15 and I'm hey, babe. But the reason why I go is because there's people there that are counting on me being there. I'm telling you, accountability has this. When we, when we say, hey, look, I want, if, if, if this catches on and you're like, man, I, I want to, I want to, and I know it's weird to say, I want to burn for the Lord. But like if you want to cultivate that gift, it is going to be the easiest for you to find someone else and say, hey, let's do this together. Because they will push you to do things that you want to do, but you're unwilling to sometimes fulfill. Like I'm telling you, like tomorrow morning at 530, I'm going to be in the parking lot that's right over there, rain or shine. Because there's other guys that are going to be there. And if you want to be there, gentlemen, I'll be there. 530, shameless plug. Just saying. So how can we do that? We can cultivate our relationship with God. And we do that with help from other people. We invite people into this. We remember, and this is one thing for us, remember that you are just cultivating what God has put there. Like you're not having to create this gift that God has given you. You're just cultivating what God deposited in you when you said yes to Jesus. And uh, the next thing is you can discover and develop your gift. Um, first Corinthians, I'm not going to read through these, but First Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts. Romans 12, motivational gifts. Ephesians 4, uh, 11, uh, ministry gifts. And God gives to his children gifts appropriate for what God's going to do in them. Listen to this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. It says, all these, and he's talking about all the spiritual gifts that are listed in 1 Corinthians 12. All of these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. God wills for you to have a gift. And you're like, well, I don't know what my gift is. Begin to discover and develop that. We can help you do that. There's spiritual gift tests that you can go, man, I feel like this is 
what God's put in me and begin to cultivate that because God does give every single one of his children a gift. Now, understanding that we don't get all of the gifts necessarily him. He may give some people more, but I think sometimes we're like, well, I don't I don't. Some people are like, I don't want tongues because you're afraid of it. I'm not going to talk about that today. But God does give gifts. And those gifts are for building up the body of believers that he's put you in. And you have to go, God, I want to cultivate that. So I'm going to invite our worship team up here. And and I I want to, as we're going into worship, as we're looking at, because my, my other purpose is not to guilt you. I feel like sometimes it's Sundays it feels like, oh, you know, I just feel bad. Like I, I don't feel like, oh, you know, I'm not doing that. Because here, here's a question I'm going to give you leading into this. If you were to look at your last seven days, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to confess this to your neighbor. You might want to later. If you would look at the last seven days of your life, would you say that you were adding to or taking away from the gift that God has placed in you? Are you fanning into flame this gift, this faith that he's given you? And if your answer is no, which is okay, because I don't, I'm not sure that there's many people that are always, <laughs> yeah, there are some, I've met them and I've, I, I try to hang out near them because I feel like maybe they'll give it to me, but it has to be in our life to go, I want this. So if it isn't the case, Like, if that isn't what your last seven days look like, I want you to understand that the reason why I want you to focus on this, the reason why I want you to fan into flame this gift that God's given you is because we cannot complete the mission without fanning into flame our individual faith. We cannot accomplish what God has called us to do. You cannot. These parents cannot be what God needs them to be with for their children without fanning into flame the gift that God has put in them. He cannot. We cannot. We cannot be what other people need us to be without cultivating this. So here here's the question. What are you willing to do this week to change that? So if you feel bad that this last week, I can't really say that I am fanning into flame this this thing that God's given me. I'm I'm experiencing his goodness and his joy and this gift that he's given me. And I mean, I'm, I'm getting all out of this gift that he has given me. If you can't say that, then what are you willing to do over the next week to change that? And and here's step one. And here's the danger. If you feel like, oh, like this is I'm going to read my Bible more and I'm going to pray more and I'm going to memorize more. And you you start this list mentally. I'm going to challenge you that the caveat to that is what are you willing to do to change that this week? That question, who are you willing to invite into that personal challenge? So if you feel like, yes, I need to change something, something in my life needs to change for me to really experience this grace and mercy. What are you willing to do and who are you willing to say, hey, this is what I'm committing to do for the next seven days? Like, I want you to check on me through the week and I like I want to do this. I want to read this amount of script. I want to do, you know, you figure out what that is and you invite people into that because that's where we begin to grow. We need each other. Like I, I need other men in my life 
to help me continue to fan into flame this thing that God's put in me. And it, it won't, I, I just, I don't believe that we are by ourselves going to be able to get to where God wants us to be without others. So as, you're, as we go into this last song, what are you willing to change? You know, think about that. You can stay seated. You can stand up and sing. But I want you to really grapple. If you want more from God, you have to commit to doing things differently. If it's not working last week, commit to something and then invite someone in to that change. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, um, Lord, the truth is, is we won't pursue anything that we don't value. We won't cultivate or feed anything that we don't value. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us understand how beneficial it is for us and our well-being and for those around us to choose to fan into flame, to feed this passion, this gift that you've put in us. Lord, we want to see our world changed, and that's not going to happen under our own power, by our own grace. It's going to happen through you. And so, Lord, we just ask right now that you would give us grace to make the acknowledgement that we need help. That you would give us grace to choose something greater than ourselves. That you would give us grace to see you as the life that you promised us. And so, Lord, as we go into worship, Lord, I pray that you would help us cultivate this desire to see our lives make a difference. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.